0: This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between.
1: This week, Sliders. Season 3, episodes 2 and 4.
2: Your heat imprint is on the left. Mallory's is on the right. He's me.
1: Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast with daddy issues. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan?
0: What's real is I'm desperate to be someone's shower fantasy. Remember that line?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just what you always say?
0: <laughs> I do. The I, I start all the every of Every episode. Every episode I start it that way. I'm like, please, <laughs> please let me be someone's shower fantasy.
1: Somebody. Well, Jordan, we're entering the third season of Sliders in our best of run. Can you believe we made it to season three already?
0: You know, I have to say when I was watching these um, fantastic episodes, um, I was thinking this uh, the speed run, it seems almost perfectly designed for Sliders. You think so? Yeah, I think it's it gives a good snapshot of like someone accidentally coming across this show and they can't find the remote so they're forced to watch it but like no one would actually like do this on purpose so you like accidentally
1: see episodes and you're like this show's still in the air four years later I, that's that's the feeling I so get. you're imagining a guy who's at home and once or three times three times a year he loses his remote and it's always yeah live. yeah yeah well it'd be, yeah three times a year in the course of five years which is pretty good <laughs> well for these two episodes we were joined by a guest this week uh, we're welcoming back returning guest Dave. Dave, thanks for being here.
3: Good evening. So, what were you here for last? I was trying to remember before we started. Do you remember what you recorded last with us? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was a Roddenberry TV movie from the '70s that was um, had John, was it John Hurt? And oh. it was like a supernatural it was a, it was, thing. It was a, it was a little erotic, right? The demon one. Yes, it was. It was erotic, uh, but I don't remember the name. Do you?
1: I want to say Spectre. Yeah, it was Spectre. Oh, it was That's Spectre. Right. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. Add a lizard at the end. Yeah, I didn't care for it.
1: <laughs> well, before we get into this week's Sliders episodes, Dave, do you have a history of Sliders? Did you watch it when it was on the air originally?
3: Yeah, I did. Um, I think I probably only watched. I think like most people, the first year or two before like big cast changes started happening. But I do. Def- I definitely remember, especially watching that pilot and thinking like, "Wow, this is a really cool a new thing, and these special effects are really great." In terms of the storyline, I do remember it being kind of a, you know, fish out of water story of the week kind of thing. And I remember the characters pretty well. But other than that, like specific episodes, specific storylines, like nothing. Um, So this was kind of cool to get back into it and see a couple of different types of stories.
0: Dave, more importantly, do you remember when they said sliders?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite part. They go, sliders. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and did you guys notice that on the in season three in these episodes, one of the episodes they don't say it, and the second one, it's a different sliders, and I'm pretty sure it's a Jonathan uh, Reese Davies doing it.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was a different guy that. saying. It was a different
0: guy whispering. I was like, "Is it, why would they change the whisper?"
1: Well, here's the thing: is we've now watched the first three seasons or episodes of the first three seasons. It's different every time. I know sometimes there's a whisper sometimes there's no whisper although i will say this new season i like the new theme music i think it's my favorite theme music so far
0: and not only is the theme music different i don't know if you noticed luke every season so far they've changed the narration mm-hmm. and i would argue this is the best narration and apparently they do keep this for seasons three through five they've really it feels like each one was like a working draft and it gets a little <laughs> tighter each season and this third one is is by far the best
1: yeah they really they've really got this uh, almost on lockdown except for deciding whether they whisper sliders or not <laughs>
0: i think it's it's like they did it live and the guy sometimes just forgets to do it he's like oh i missed it oh well we'll get it
3: next week they probably didn't realize at the time that it was going to be the most iconic part of the show the most well-remembered part of the show
0: you're probably right and it's and it is weird that it is because we've said this before i think in probably another podcast honestly it's what people always say it's just sliders sliders which is so weird that's the thing that people remember it's not hey do you remember that time where What's his face tried to have sex with his his teacher, you know, it's like sliders.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, on that note, maybe we should get into this week's episodes. Here's the IMDb summary for season three, episode two, Double Cross. The sliders arrive on a world that has dwindling natural resources. While there, Rembrandt gets sidetracked by his number one fan. Meanwhile, Quinn and the others meet a group of scientists trying to perfect a sliding device of their own where they may have the technology to get the sliders home. All is not what it seems. <laughs> I've butchered that, but whatever. What are we going to do? It's perfect. They can say that in every episode. All is not what it seems. Hey, I want to say w-
0: one thing real quick. This idea uh, of w- what is... There's a, a trope we'll talk about, um, and I looked it up because I was like, I guarantee there's a name for it uh, that's going to be a little bit um, important in this episode, and it's called the opposite sex clone. That's the trope. And uh, I looked it up to, to do a little... Uh, uh, research on it and the earliest I found because it's been through a lot of science fiction uh, there's two uh, literary works that I found that I think are the first ones that use this one was um, an Ursula Le Guin book called Nine Lives where uh, the plot is there are geniuses that are cloned in mixed sex groups and so they're constantly having uh, sex with each other and they're themselves and then there's another book by Robert Heinlein which His book is, everything about him is like a parody of his own writing, but um, he has a book called, um, from 1973 a few years later, called Time Enough for Love, where um, opposite sex clones uh, become each other's sexual partners. (laughs) Nice. And if that's not a Robert Heinlein
1: book, I don't know what is. (laughs) So anytime you have an opposite sex clone, you just got to have sex with that clone? I I think that's, I think weirdly, like,
0: that's just like the thought people go to. They're like, hey, what if I was a clone? You didn't have sex with that clone. I mean, wouldn't you, Jordan? You know, I, I was watching this with with someone, and it and it's literally the first thing I said. I was like, "He's gonna have sex with that clone, isn't he?" Did you <laughs> think that,
3: Dave? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and why would you?
0: Why isn't that? Isn't that? Isn't that a weird, weird uh, knee jerk reaction that we have?
3: Is that incestuous to do that? Is that wrong? No, it's perfect okay <laughs> no
0: I, I don't know I think there there's I'm sure if you read uh, um, either of uh, Ur- Ur- Ursula Le Guin or Robert Heinlein I'm sure they talked about the the morality of such um, more than Sliders will because um, Sliders doesn't have time for it it's more of like can you believe this but it is a funny thing that I think probably everyone watching the show is like is that gonna happen and they sort of um, they sort of flirt with it a little bit in a weird way in this episode um, but don't they don't go all the way obviously in many ways am I right <laughs> Yeah, so Luke, I don't know, would you have sex with your own clone? (laughs) It's
1: a good question Mm, Would I find myself attractive? It's a real question of how much I (laughs) hate myself You know what, Luke, that's actually a good point Would you find yourself attractive?
0: Because I think most people maybe wouldn't (laughs) I don't think I would I don't think I'd find myself attractive
1: You might be annoyed by yourself He's really annoying Yeah, it's a good question Let's all pull up pictures of our partners (laughs) And decide how much they look like (laughs) (laughs) Jordan, imagine everyone's yeah. just like, wow, she looks exactly like you. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, really? You'd be mm-hmm. like, do I like myself more than I thought? No, I would not never be able to get a word into it. <laughs> that's nothing to do with personality, Jordan. It's looks we're talking about. Oh, it
0: looks, looks. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's, 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 that's just a big lead to what this episode is.
1: Yes, that's right. The sliders are landing on a new earth this week. And of course, this time they land in a subway tunnel. And... Am I crazy? Did it seem like it was the first time they'd ever
3: encountered a subway in their lives? He didn't realize it was a subway (laughs) tunnel until he put his hand on the tracks and he was like, oh no, it's a subway tunnel. And then they decided to run.
1: I was hoping it was the third track. I know they're like, there's a light coming toward us. We see the tracks. We're like, where could we be? I'm like, you're you're clearly in a subway tunnel.
0: I love it. I love how confused they were. I thought it was going to be like a ghost ad situation where the train was going to come, be a ghost ghost train. They were going to go through it like, and then go through a look for someone's body. That's what I was hoping, but it's not.
3: I read that it may have been an allusion with an A to uh, the scene in Stand by Me where they're running from the train. Really? Do you think? Do you think they were that thoughtful about this scene?
1: Uh, I do not. I don't know. (laughs) I think that's a stretch, but maybe. Both (laughs) Jericho, both
0: Jericho. That's That's true. true. That's true.
1: um, but yes, this train is bearing down on them, <laughs> and they are only saved by uh, a regularly scheduled blackout that is announced. Because on this world, they have a 10 a.m. blackout every day, and uh, this is really a lead-in uh, to what this world is all about. Uh, every week, we go to a new world. There, ha- it has new rules. It has new variations on what we're used to. Um, so, you guys want to discuss kind of what this Earth is all about?
0: I'll tell you one thing: gas is four ten a gallon. Four hundred and, four hundred and ten, ten a yeah. gallon. Yeah, four hundred ten. Oh, sorry, I call it four ten. That's how the kids say it. Makes it sound like four dollars and ten cents. You're right. You're absolutely right. But four hundred ten dollars. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Dave. How would you describe the world?
3: Uh, well, yeah, it's a it's like a resources start world where San Francisco and L.A. have merged into a, a super mega city, and it sounds like food is not readily available. So there's kind of constructed food. You can't just get a hot dog when you ask for it. People are driving around in those weird electric cars that they were doing for land speed tests in the desert and riding around on weird bikes. There's no regular cars. Um, There are some motorcycles, apparently, though.
0: I like that this is at least the third world. And Dave, you wouldn't know this, but the third world and third episode, I would say at least three. There may be more, uh, Luke, you can correct me, where the first thing they do is go to get a hot dog. (laughs) Isn't that a
1: weird thing that they're always doing, Luke? I mean, they love street
0: food. They've kept that very consistent. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, that's always, they're like, they get there and they go. It's like, the joke is, Arturo uh, falls on Rembrandt. It's annoying because he's fat. You have to wait for how long until t- t- there's a fat joke. And then they're like, "Let's, we're hungry. Let's get a hot dog. That's how every Sliders episode starts.
1: What is the name of the uh, orange or yellow goop they're able to buy? Do you guys remember? I do. From the hot dog man? Dave, did you get it? I did not write it down
0: geomash
1: nice get a little geomash instead of a hot yeah, dog yeah. sounds pretty good it sounds okay yeah
0: because because yeah it, I, you know what i have to say it is a um a fun little way of showing you're in a new world and i they use it sometimes better than others and this one it was like it was okay where it's like everything looks they, they can tell right away something's a little off and uh and then when they get the mash instead of a hot dog they know but we i don't think we ever actually said the whole thing with the train is that the train stops because the power is out did we say that mm-hmm. yes oh, okay <laughs> I just had a, sorry. I just had my own little outage, sorry. <laughs> Small power outage in your brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's um it seems to be a world also where there seems to be they imply there's a big <laughs> divide between the rich and everybody else, though oddly I found that the whole world looked more like a utopia than a dystopia.
2: Yeah,
3: kinda. Of. It was it was very bright and sunny and everyone was dressed in kind of light clothes, kinda of like it's the late 80s. And yeah, like everyone seemed pretty happy. It wasn't it wasn't dark enough to be a dystopia at all.
0: Everything became the Netherlands. Yeah,
3: essentially. Lots of trains, lots of bikes everywhere.
1: I, I will say, Jordan, we've watched a, lo- a lot of these episodes now. I think this is one of the best worlds they've ever come to in terms of just like setup and not worrying too much about explaining it. And they're just like, oh, this is what a fun world.
0: Yeah, I agree. Too bad they they spend the plot on other things other than like learning
1: about this world. And like, I don't know, anything that was interesting, I found. <laughs> i have one last question for you yeah um did you catch the name of the mega city that encompasses all of california i did dave i'm gonna throw it to you again
3: it's san angeles right yeah that's yeah. right they're in
1: san angeles
0: i like that i thought that was pretty well done
3: is that also the name of the city in grand theft auto i think it might be
1: no it could be it's something very similar to that for sure it's the same universe <laughs> yeah they, they they transitioned to the grand theft auto universe this week <laughs> And almost immediately upon arriving, as I said, it's mostly not cars, but there are a few cars kicking around at the Mega Rich Drive. And a, like, literally they arrive and a Gold Rolls Royce stops with the with the license plate crying man. And I thought it was going to be a double, but it's not. Uh, who gets out is the wealthy daughter of the creator of paperless toilets. Which, isn't that just a bidet? I don't understand what a paperless yeah. toilet is. Was that what it was? She, was? she was, they were a creator of paperless toilets? The daughter Her was. father was. Oh i know it's monique and she's rembrandt's number one fan and she had recently thought i think his doubles in europe so she's like i thought you were away and she's just like hey i love you why don't you come on a date with me in la i'll fly you back there on my private plane and um rembrandt comes back to the sliders and says would it be cool if i go on a date with this woman down in la and what did you expect them to say (laughs) Well, here's the thing. The show is so
0: inconsistent because at sometimes it's almost as if they have like a prime directive where they're like, don't interfere. And that I think comes out either this episode or the next episode. But this one, it's like Arturo's
1: like, yeah, you got the chance. You should go for it. I love, too. They're less like, we've got 32 hours. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Fly down to Eleus. A- <laughs> 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 like, you guys insane. <laughs> yeah. Just meet us back at this time. And, and once again, it's so funny because, like, I don't know what they're trying to do with Wade, but it's just like, all the boys are like, yeah, go get it. Go get it, Rembrandt. And she's just like, man. And I'm like, what is this? What is this show? <laughs> I have
0: to say, um, this this B-plot of uh, what Rembrandt's going to be going through with his um, relationship and uh, series of events. Well, with, let's talk about it right now. Uh, let me just say this right out the bat. It is the worst B-plot this show has ever done, and it might be the worst B-plot we've ever seen in a TV show. Wow. I hated it so much. I hated it.
1: It's literally the same as another B-plot Rembrandt's already done. It's the same B-plot. <laughs> this is worse. <laughs> well, Rembrandt flies down to LA with this woman, um, and we the viewer know it. the date is a little bit weird when um, Monique, the uh, the woman he's on a date with, um, she, she tells the bartender at the bar they're at that uh, she's Rembrandt's fiancé? Yeah,
0: she's crazy. That's what, that's what you're supposed to think as a viewer. She's crazy.
1: But we also get a great bit where uh, Rembrandt has to eat frog sweetbread and he thinks it's gross. And you're, like, rolling in the aisles at how funny this comedy is. <laughs>
0: well, I think, I think the joke, to be fair to the show, and I can't believe I'm defending it, is that all of the food, um, as we mentioned, is sort of—the uh, resources are short, so— People are eating things that we're not normally used to eating um, as a Western audience. So all these things seem crazy what they're eating. So I I think you allow it. I think the audience maybe would have at the time would have had a little chuckle about that. So I think I'll allow it. I mean, it's dumb, but whatever. it was
1: 1997 or whatever. (laughs) Jordan liked it. Jordan had a great time. Well,
0: no, I said it's the only thing I'm going to defend.
1: As this this episode progresses, we just keep cutting back to Rembrandt. And he goes for a dip in her hot tub back at her house. She says, "Let's go up to to my room, or she calls it his room." And when they go mm-hmm. upstairs, she's like has a shrine, a crazy shrine to the crying man. And then she appears dressed in a wedding gown, and uh, Rembrandt knows he's in trouble.
0: Yeah, you know what it looked like. I remember I once watched those things. You know those like uh, those TV shows where you'd see like musicians and actors like their their fancy houses. What was that show called?
3: Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous.
0: Sure uh it was one of those yeah it was it was uh, uh, a who's the guy who uh, uh, used to do that anyways that was english guy it doesn't matter um the the point being um i I once saw one and it was gene simmons and his house was essentially like a shrine to himself and i was like what a dickhead
1: (laughs) whoa controversial going after gene simmons a
0: couple of non-kiss fans on this podcast
1: yeah i think i think it's well regarded as a dickhead i don't think people are going to be up in arms about that at any rate (laughs) <laughs> Rembrandt spends the night still at this place because we catch up with him the next day and he's trying to talk his way out of uh, Monique's home she's a little crazy but he he does say he's like I just need to go to San Francisco to for a quick meeting and and she's willing to let him do it if he sings her a quick song and mm-hmm. I would say that we've talked about this in a previous episode they finally do that thing that I said they should have done that last episode where he's supposed to sing a song that his double here has sings all the time but he doesn't know uh, and they kind of do that where he has to she's just like, Don't sing the song you know, sing this other song and he, he just starts singing and somehow guesses all the lyrics correctly.
0: Yeah, I, I wrote down what the
1: song was. Do you know what it was Luke?
0: No, I blocked those things out. It was I pawn my gold crown for you. That was the name of the song she wanted
3: him to sing. Alright, great, great stuff. <laughs> I, I think the idea is that I guess those songs are kind of in him, and so just with a bit of a bit of prodding, maybe it could come out and he could write it as if the other as if the double had. I guess it? that's true right
1: there he could if told the title he can just invent the song that his devil would have invented that's probably true you're probably right Dave it's another excuse to have the actor sing anyway he does a good job
3: my biggest problem with this is that I feel like it's very unrealistic that he doesn't sleep with the crazy lady because he's in town for 36 hours he's leaving this planet forever she, yeah she's like a she's a bit crazy but he he would do it he would do it why wouldn't he do it are we sure he doesn't? I think they imply he does. Well, I thought he slept in the other room to kind of get away from her. She, oh, she finds him the next morning. Oh, you're right. You're probably right. No, they don't do it. Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake.
1: <laughs> Dave, you've got some interesting dating advice. <laughs> if you're in town for 36 hours and you meet a person <laughs> with severe mental derangement, it's all right. Wow. She's very attractive, though. <laughs> she, also,
0: she had a pool. She had a uh, bathrobes at the ready. Well, what do you want? Those are all those are all pro pluses
1: in the in the uh, pro column. Mm-hmm. But in the pure sitcom manner of this B plot, who should walk in at that exact moment? But Monique's fiance. <laughs> and he's big and muscular. And he's just like, "What are you doing? And my fiance says, I'm going to beat you up." And uh Rembrandt is forced to, to run away.
3: <laughs> yeah. I like that the fiance apparently doesn't have a problem with his his girl having like a room dedicated to this this R and B singer—he
1: knows she's a fan, number one fan. <laughs> it's literally the license plate on her gold rolls, golden Rolls Royce. Yeah, true.
0: Well, that's the thing. He's like, you can make a room for him. You can even you can even uh, uh, change the license plate on our Rolls Royce, but don't you ever fly him over
1: to this house. And then she got the opportunity and she did it. She broke the one rule. <laughs> At any rate, Rembrandt is now stuck in L.A. He needs to get back to the neighborhood of San Francisco in order to meet the sliders. So he rushes to a train station. Um, but as we see, all the people getting on the train are just handing the conductor just stacks of $100 bills or something. <laughs>
0: Inflation, I guess. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like... Not that it would have been maybe that much more interesting, but it's weird to have set up stuff in this society and not really get into it. I mean, I, look, I know in the A-plot, it's it's the point of what the characters are doing, um, but it, I just thought it was weird. I'm like, well, wh- why is this happening? It's like, is it resources? Is it money? Why, are, why is, why is the system being set up this way? But sure, it's
1: stacks of money. You don't buy tickets for trans anymore. You just walk around with a wad of cash.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess. But, of course, Rembrandt sees a, a few less fortunates climbing on top of the train, uh, and they're going to ride the top of the train back to uh, San Francisco. So Rembrandt's just like, me too. And he climbs up there, and he talks to a, a, nice, a nice man who's uh, on top of the train. And the man's like, did you bring your equipment to strap on to the top of the train? It goes 200 miles per hour. Of course, Rembrandt doesn't have that, so he just ties his belt to the side of the train, and off it goes. It didn't really amount to that thing, though, huh? no. other than when he, gets, when he gets to the end of the episode, his like, clothes are a little torn. And you're like, wow, he went through some comedy. Yep, that's it. That's the whole Rembrandt subplot is he goes to L.A., meets a lady who's unwell, and then uh, catches a train back home. Doesn't even sleep with her. And, <laughs> and,
0: and you're right, Luke. This is almost the exact plot of the other one, except he's kidnapped by
1: a deranged ex-band member.
0: Is that the one you're thinking
1: of? I was thinking of the episode uh where the reversal of roles of the sexes were happening and he just spent the week with a woman in a in an apartment and then joined the oh sliders my at the end.
0: I forgot about that. So this is his being his B plot three times.
1: <laughs> they really need to find a way just to get Rembrandt out of the show every episode. Well, I think we said this on the last episode uh
0: we were covering, is that there's like four characters, or maybe we haven't, but it it doesn't it seem um Uh, There's a trend among shows and a lot of times of shows that that things aren't clicking very well That they just don't know what to do with the characters and you think they only have four people in the show That's not a huge cast and it seems like they have to split them up But for not very good reasons or they have to have a character go off and have their own plot But it's never very good and it's because they don't know what to do It's like they don't have enough lines to go around and it's like This this is this is not that complicated. You can have a thing where you have four people actively doing things
1: They certainly don't really land a b plot that ties into the a plot very often it's usually very separate very disposable and very unrelated even to the themes of the world they're on sometimes yeah
0: yeah I, but i mean even on the episode you mentioned uh, luke where there was the gender reversal world like wade almost had nothing to do you think that'd be a prime example to have the the one female character to be driving the, the story forward but they're like nah
1: no 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 jordan not wade we couldn't possibly
0: <laughs> yeah more Jerry O'Connell. Hey, I'll say this. Um, I feel like every season, Jerry O'Connell's
1: getting better looking. I mean, he doesn't get worse looking. I'll tell you that. Have you seen him these days? <laughs> is, he, is he looking even better? Oh, he's looking as good as he ever looked. Good for him. Anyway, let's get on to the, the main plot of the episode with Quinn, Wade, and Arturo. They're going to have a very different kind of psychosexual adventure. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Soon after they arrive and Rembrandt leaves, a bunch of goons on motorbikes show up with guns and uh, pursue them. And they're from a company called Prototronics, and they're led by a scientist named Logan St. Clair. And mm-hmm. um, Logan explains once they're captured uh, that they aren't in trouble, but the, the company has been um, developing their own sliding technology. In fact, she's created an eight-dimensional echoing process that actually tracks sliders, and that's how uh, she knew they arrived. She tracked their slide hole arriving on this planet. Right. And we're going to find out very
0: quickly that uh, not only do they they know their sliders, but they actually know one of them, which is Arturo. Arturo's double is a slider type character that works at the company.
1: Yes, yes. And in fact, he died two days ago in one of their slide holes in a, in a
3: terrible accident. <laughs> I don't like that you're saying slide holes. That sounds gross. What are they then? Have you guys been saying slide hole the whole time? <laughs> Luke, how Decided. would you describe them? Uh, portal? <laughs> slide portal? Portal hole? Dave, that's disgusting.
1: A slide hole. <laughs> I just assume we can't use the same terminology they used on Stargate, so I'm not using calling them slide gates. Okay. That makes sense. Is that what they call them? Slide gates? No, no, but they're, they're stargates on on stargate, so I assume they're not called slide gates on this one. Mm-hmm. That makes
0: sense. I, I that's uh, incredibly embarrassing that I didn't know what the uh, the portal
1: was called on a show called Stargate. <laughs> 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 um, Prototronics, of course, they're slide holes. They're very unstable. Uh, anything that goes in them, when it comes back out, ends up burnt to a crisp. So we know that's kind of how how Arturo's double died in this world, um, and the sliders always the generous sorts. They offer to help them fix their slide technology, and in return, maybe they can use this equipment to um, find their own way home, you know, per usual, per the mandate of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, they only have 32 hours in order to do this, so it's not a lot of time. It's at this point that the shadowy boss who works at Prototonics takes a Logan St. Clair aside and informs her that uh, they did a, a, a thermo scan of their unique thermo signatures, and they all walked in, and he's like, by the way, this Quinn character, he's your exact duplicate. You guys are twins or something. Uh, so why don't you use your feminine wiles to keep them here longer than 32 hours so they can help us fix our slide machine?
0: Yeah, so I have a question about that. So you know what? Interesting a concept that could be done, nuanced or not, of you are in a different dimension or a different universe or different world, and there's a version of you, but something has happened, so genetically you are now the opposite gender that's that's an interesting thing but then how that then becomes what we kind of joked about in earlier in the podcast why that suddenly becomes about having sex with one another i'm like well shouldn't it have been like you might intrinsically know what he would do because you are actually have the same genetic material or you there is some other connection that way like you can win him over because you know how he can be manip- manipulated those may not be the terribly more interesting episodes but it makes more sense then Yeah, he's your exact double. You should flirt with him.
3: Yeah, he knows you have a foot fetish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: It is very odd. And at first I thought it was odd. You know, I thought it was a a mean boss, an evil boss trying to force a subordinate to do something they didn't want to do. Um, But then later in the episode, we're going to discover that uh logan quinn's double she's also just evil like she's just like flat out evil like a cartoon villain like a bond villain yeah so she really turns out what i thought was going to be this thing where she's like off put by having to do this she's fine she doesn't care she's she's into it and you know what she starts flirting with quinn and quinn quinn's loving it he doesn't know yet he's a double but quinn immediately just falls for it is
0: is quinn of our characters before characters who's we've almost seen all of them get some sort of romantic entanglement. Luke, who's the horniest of our four characters?
1: It's Arturo. Is Arturo? Well, what we're going to discover very quickly is uh, after Quinn sort of starts ignoring, he starts ignoring Arturo and Wade because uh, they're like, something seems suspicious of this company. He's like, no, no, no. This pretty girl likes me. It's fine here. (laughs) So Arturo and Wade start looking into like, they're like, mm, it's weird. My double died in a slide hole accident. He would never be so careless. Or uh, you know, Archer's like, I would never be so careless. So why would my double be so careless? And they catch an eighty-five dollar cab ride back to the hotel. Prototronics is putting them up at. And Jordan, you must have loved this eighty-five dollar cab ride reference because they uh, they were charged an overweight surcharge. I thought that was pretty good.
0: I know. It's honestly, I'm just waiting for it. See, D- Dave. Again, you you haven't seen the previous episodes, but like every episode. <laughs> they have to have a joke about how he's fat and i just keep, i feel so bad for the actor because it's like it's not like he's like morbidly obese like he's a little he's a little bit he's overweight a big boy. yeah he's a big guy um but it's just like every episode it's like can
1: you believe how fat he is it's like all right guys this poor actor but they show up at this hotel and the hotel clerk recognizes arturo immediately and i will say jordan i was disappointed it wasn't will sasso that wasn't that going to be the thing always will sasso working at these hotels <laughs>
0: That's right. He was at least at least in two or three episodes. Will Sass was the hotel guy, but I think he's out. He's he's on to Mad TV days now.
1: This hotel clerk, though, he recognizes Arturo because Arturo frequents the hotel on his nooners, where he's cheating on his wife with a variety of young women, and this this uh, this this clerk is like commenting on wade and how wade's pretty good but he likes his last uh nooner quote unquote nooner and then he describes a very generic woman that arturo is immediately able to understand is uh logan on this world so in this world arturo was cheating on his wife with quinn's double yeah yeah
0: so maybe there'll be a plot line later in the episodes where arturo and, and our quinn are gonna have an affair
1: And it's very funny because they, you know, there's a weird thing where Wade's just like, who would have an affair with you? And Arturo's like, I have my charms. And I think we'll see it in the next episode, too. And we've seen it in repeated episodes before this. Arturo's doubles are always having affairs, are always sleeping with young women. (laughs) And I have to assume that reflects on Arturo's character as well. I think so. I think so. I I think he's
0: maybe not. He's not the nicest guy, maybe. Maybe that's what we're learning. But to your question, Jordan, he's the horniest. Okay, hey, and I have a, a follow up question. So this guy at the hotel you mentioned, like the the bellhop or whatever he is, the concierge, he's given a lot of like, Eh-huh, eh, eh, like, can you believe it? I can't believe you're doing. Don't don't you think? Now I've never had an affair. It seems very adult. But um, to uh uh, let's say you're going to a, a regular hotel for for said uh, liaisons, and um. Uh, don't you don't you think like discretion is what you're looking for the hotel not them to comment on the attractive level that's not what you want yeah yeah you wouldn't be coming back to this hotel again
1: this man is very indiscreet (laughs) yeah
0: so anyways i'm just saying not a great establishment for an
1: affair and flash forward to the end of the episode arturo said as he's leaving he gives the bellhop something and says give this to my wife and i'm just like How does the (laughs) bellhop know who your wife is, too? Why does the bellhop have so much information?
0: You know what? Maybe it's that sort of thing like uh, uh, remembering Goodfellas where the the, the mobsters take their their wives to the hotel and then, then to the restaurant. And the next time they come and take their girlfriends. Maybe it's that sort of thing. He also takes his wife to the hotel. Oh, okay, that makes sense.
3: Yeah, he goes into the hotel and, a, and, a, and a, the bellhop says, Oh, Mr. Arturo, we haven't seen you in so long. Exactly. Just there the night before. See,
0: No, no. See, that's what he should do. But this guy would be like, Hey, weren't you just here with that hot broad? Because he's terrible.
1: <laughs> At any rate, the uh, way and Arturo remember that Logan had claimed to barely know Arturo's double, So they, they know something's up. This, this is weird. So they go visit Arturo's widow on this world. And um, she sort of says... She found it strange after her husband died because her husband wouldn't also take those kind of risks. But also, Prototronics asked her to keep quiet about the death because they're going to keep it under wraps to avoid bad press. So, you know, Arturo and Wade are very suspicious about this whole thing. So they, uh head back to Prototronics. They do that classic thing on Sliders uh, where Arturo pretends to be his double so they can trick a security guard, allowing <laughs> Wade to sneak into the security-like computer and have a look at the uh, security footage. Yeah. It's all been scrubbed from the night Arturo died, but they are able to find a backup. And in the backup, you're able to see uh, evil Logan, evil Quinn's double, push Arturo into the deformed slide hole, essentially murdering him.
0: I watched that three times, by the way. It made me laugh so much. There's just There was something so cartoony about it.
3: Uh, just going back to the meeting with Arturo and his and his and his double's widow. Did anyone notice that she was walking around outside with a beaker, and that when she found him, <laughs> she dropped the beaker on the ground and it smashed? Because it, it kind of seemed like she was carrying that around for the express purpose of of dropping it in shock.
0: That is great. Everyone knows her in the office. She's just like constantly like, oh, she's such a drama queen. Here she comes with a beaker. She's gonna pretend to be surprised again for attention.
1: <laughs> I didn't actually notice that though. No, me neither. That's a great That's a great catch. That's very funny to be like, oh, we're about to shoot the scene. Uh, get her a beaker. She was walking around that side like in a park. <laughs> <laughs> but as Wade is copying this video file onto a three and a half inch floppy disk, which I have to assume is going to be eight pixels this whole video <laughs> when she put it on there. Uh, but she gets caught by the evil boss of Prototronics. And we know she's in trouble now.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember how much storage space is on a, on a floppy disk like that? Do you remember? No, do you I didn't I, I could be wrong, but I think it's like 1.44 megabytes It's like a, me- <laughs> a megabyte in a bit. It's it's not much.
1: Yeah I was imagining that video is gonna be very uh, unwatchable <laughs> At any rate the next morning we cut to Arturo. He can't find Wade She's been missing all night and he bumps into Quinn outside the hotel and tells Quinn that Logan killed Arturo on this world They can't trust her. She's evil or something and at that exact moment Wade shows up on a bicycle And says, oh, hey, I talked my way out of trouble. Um, Nothing to worry about here. (laughs) It was the funniest thing because I think uh, um, there's
0: actual commercial break there. Like, where is she? Oh, no, we don't know where she is. And then commercial, we come back and it's like she like comes on a bicycle and she's like, hey, guys, no big deal. I got out. And you're like, "Um, either this is the dumbest resolution to a a cliffhanger I've ever seen or uh, this is sketchy.
1: And it turns out to be sketchy because Arturo and Wade go back to their investigation and uh, the double's widow, they go back to her. And for some reason, the second visit to her, she's like, oh, yes, of course. I forgot to tell you last time. My husband was quite upset by a video disc he found in which the uh, company was going to use his invention for evil. And they're like, oh, that's good to know. And I was like, why didn't you mention this the first time? I was
0: just thinking, Luke, just going back a little bit when we're... Uh, no spoiler, we're going to find out this is a fake Wade. And in the previous episode we watched, there was a fake Arturo thing and they didn't know if they got the right Arturo. Wouldn't it be great if every episode they have this sort of dilemma and by the end of the season, you have a bunch of characters that are just from different worlds, all their doubles? That's They've a have never good met show. before. They're always like, oh, yeah. weird adventures we are
1: going on now. They're confused. The audience is confused. Great. What a great show. But fake Wade does give herself away here because... She doesn't know that on the, on Arturo's world, he didn't invent the slide machine like he did here. So she's just she says something. It's so funny because Arturo, it's, it's such a dead giveaway. Arturo's like, did you just say I invented sliding? And she's like, why, of course. If you invented sliding on this world, why wouldn't you have invented sliding on your own world? I'm just like, well, you're you, <laughs> fake Wade. Why are you giving yourself away? <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's not, she's not good on her feet. She should have been like, no, 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 you said it.
1: Uh, anyways, what's that? Someone's calling me and got out of the room. That's what I would have done. <laughs> Instead, Arturo ties her up in a closet. <laughs> and then he and Wade join forces. They go to search his doubles office, try to find this video disc that uh, had upset the dead Arturo so much. They find it. They put it on. And I assume this video disc would be like security footage of something or where they like are talking about their evil plans. But it's more like a corporate video where they're talking straight to camera and explaining that they're going to use sliding to raid the natural resources of other worlds and then bring them back to this world so that prototronics can hoard them in order to i believe they say hold this earth hostage
0: yeah i think it checks out but you know i'll I'll say to your point luke i think the video and maybe you both disagree with me i thought the video was like an internal video to like uh stake uh stakeholders or something like that like it's an internal video where everyone that would be watching this video knows what they're doing you know what i mean like it'd be like one of those old um cigarette memos where they're sending memos to each other knowing that it causes cigarettes cause cancer but it would never want they never want it to get out that's what i kind of assume
1: but do you think it's not that i mean it's probably that it was just so strange to like record a video of your absolutely evil plans for dissemination and be like hopefully this never gets out (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put a good spin on it. They, they don't at least do a good spin at all.
1: No, it, it did feel like this is for not public consumption, but definitely it's going out to the shareholders in a way, being like, we're about to hold this earth hostage. Get ready, everybody. <laughs> what they should
0: have done is is at the end, they should have like uh, put their fingers together and just said, money, money. And then you go, oh, it's all okay.
3: Yeah, a more sophisticated show would maybe, I mean, if you heard the thing of everyone's the hero of their own story and no one considers themselves to be villains. If it, could, if it could have been written in a more sophisticated way, maybe they could have done it in such a way that they didn't just seem like they were evil and looking to destroy the world.
0: There's no time, though, because uh, Rembrandt has to have sex with that woman. <laughs> Dave has already disproven
1: that never happened.
0: <laughs> no, but but you make a good point, Dave, though. You're right. If, if this was a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more nuanced. But to be fair to the show, this show is kind of like it's almost to the point where it's like a live action cartoon and sometimes so like they're not that interested in delving into like the morality of things or any sort of uh, philosophical debates that may come from this that's not what they're concerned in but it's 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 interesting that they always seem to set that up Um, because you're right there's an interesting idea here about like the world is uh needing resources so they they are just they have some justification morally uh wrong or not that they would be looking to do things to save themselves there's an argument there but that's not what this is yes. it's like can you believe how evil
1: they are well with this new piece of evidence discovered uh quinn and low and artur are about to race out with it but of course as we've already said logan is quinn's double so she has anticipated everything they have done <laughs> up till this moment and is ready to ambush them with her goons and it's at this moment she finally reveals to quinn that they are in fact twinsies yeah, yeah, she gives a whole thing. She's like, by the way, my name's actually Logan Mallory. But the
0: one thing I noted, and it might only be me, was she not dressed exactly like Ronald McDonald? I didn't notice.
3: Oh, yeah. Right? It was a weird outfit. Yes, it was a weird outfit.
0: She was wearing a red and yellow, like, overall outfit. And I was like, she's dressed like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Anyways, it was really distracting. It wasn't very
3: intimidating, yeah.
0: <laughs> it wasn't intimidating, that's true. Uh, the guys behind her, though, all have guns, so that, that, that adds the intimidation factor. But yes, she sort of reveals that... Uh, whatever, the dad, and she's changed her name because of a stepdad or blah, blah, blah. The point is uh, she's Logan Mallory. And uh, Quinn gets one of my, the best lines in the episode where he says to her, what dark corner of our soul
1: did you crawl out of? And I laughed and laughed. <laughs> you didn't like when after the reveal was done, Quinn stands there like a moron and says, how could my double be a woman? That's an exact <laughs> quote.
0: <laughs> and Arturo just like slaps his head and he's like, what a duds.
1: Well, he, yeah, Arturo has to explain it to him, and I'm just like, "Why is Quinn dumb? I don't understand."
0: He dumb. He d- he's dumb, but he also I- invented the. Uh, what did we call the slide hole? Is it slide hole machine? Slide holio? What did we say?
1: Yeah, yeah, the slide holio machine. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, with this all out of the way and all this information deposited, uh, Wade and Arturo attack the goons. They're winning. They're beating up goons with guns because they're so physically superior. <laughs> of course, but. Logan opens it, one of the deformed slide holes that kills you and pushes this Arturo into it as well. And we're like, oh no, Arturo is going to die.
0: And, you know, there was a minute because uh, only because I know that um, that character and that actor will be leaving the show pretty soon. I don't know how long. But I was like, is this how they're going to do it? In this, like, really anticlimactic way? But
1: no, they're not. Don't worry. Don't worry for Arturo fans. He's not dead. No, no. Logan takes Quinn back to the Prototronics lab and... As soon as Quinn gets gets in there, he looks up and he notices two things. The automation he set up to fix their sliding technology has finished and has now fixed their sliding technology. And B, he's noticed that the wormhole Arturo was pushed into on the on the wormhole screen above them that tracks wormholes is just going in a full circle and gonna spit Arturo back out where he went in for some reason. So he's just like, Arturo will be fine. I had a question about that.
0: Was this, was this how that their slide holes always worked or is it just because he had been fixing the formula that that's why he's not burnt or did they just make mistakes before
1: no i think what the idea is is over the course of the episode what quinn's been doing with logan is he's hooked his slide timer up to their slide timer and he's basically just been comparing the code line by line and then the computer's just fixing their code to match his code essentially is what i think the idea behind it and that's how he's fixing their their slide problem
0: but then why would it, is it because it's not, the code's not finished? That's why it's it's working, but it's just sending you back to your original spot?
1: No, no, no. I think that's just a coincidence that this slide hole oh, goes back okay. to the original spot. It's it's that it's fixed it, so he, that's the reason he's not burning up on
3: re-entry. This was the part that I didn't really understand why what was happening was happening. But now I do, so thank you. It's not focused on it at all. You're just supposed
1: to know Arturo's fine. He pops back out and arturo has a gun they race in quinn's deleted the code that he's (laughs) fixed and they basically use that to like negotiate to get wade back so they bring wade out they've had her tied up somewhere she's now dressed in a biking outfit because i guess that she swapped clothes with evil wade
0: (laughs) Uh, you know if they didn't do that the audience would have questioned where the uh, alternate wade got that leather
1: jacket (laughs) and then one of my favorite parts of this episode is with the gun they all escape they run out of prototronics and they all jump in clown cars that are waiting outside. <laughs>
0: they were the tiniest, tiniest
1: <laughs> little electric cars ever. It
0: was funny. And and I, I noticed that they focused on Arturo because I think it was, isn't it hilarious that this big guy's got to get into this tiny car?
1: And with 15 minutes left on their slide timer, they race back to the hotel where Embrant, Rembrandt has just arrived back from LA, all all tattered up from riding the train. Logan is, of course, in hot pursuit. She's got she's to stop these sliders. But as she gets to the hotel... There's a scheduled blackout, and that scheduled blackout inexplicably locks the exterior doors of the hotel.
0: Yeah, that was really weird, right? And and this poor actress, I don't know if this is how she was directed, but she's got to like pound on the doors like she's like a silent movie star. Like it's so over the top how 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 badly she wants to get into this hotel.
3: I also could be wrong, but I, I think it might have been a... It wasn't a revolving door, was it? I think there was a revolving door, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway... There's a brand on the revolving door.
1: This is a fire hazard, right? If your hotel has to do a blackout (laughs) every, like, 30 minutes for five minutes, and it locks all the doors on you. It's
0: a problem if you're having
1: affairs. (laughs) Not fires, though, because you're not worried about those. Yeah, you're not worried about fires. Just affairs. At any rate, they slide away, uh, and it looks like it's the end of the episode, but, folks, it ain't over yet because it turns out Logan has switched the, quote, geographic spectrum stabilizers in their timer, and when they come out of their slide hole... Why they're in Los Angeles, not San Francisco, because from now on their slider dimer has a radius of four hundred miles. They could end up anywhere.
0: <laughs> um, and there's a couple things about this. One. This episode has to lose one point because I was so angry that it just kept going because it was like over. And they're like, "Hey, guess what? There's more," and I'm like, "I don't want any more of this episode." So it loses a point. Um, the second thing is, I'm pretty sure this is because it's now filming in uh, in uh, California, Los Angeles area. Yes, right? so this is 100% you can actually tell,
1: correct, Jordan. Uh, the show has moved from Vancouver to LA so that the Fox executives could keep a closer eye on them. And for whatever reason, they're just like, "Well, no one's ever going to believe." <laughs> that LA could be San Francisco, not like Vancouver can be. So we have to move the whole show to LA now, like, in the storyline.
0: I do love that thing where, like, obviously some things you can see, some cities have very distinct features. Um, but it's like, honestly, like, I don't live in, in California. I couldn't tell the difference between San Francisco and, and Los Angeles. Would a normal person? I don't know. It's a good question. San Francisco, they got those trolleys. That's what I know. There's
1: trolleys and there's hills. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, though— That it also is just like they announced it's like anywhere we slide from now, we could end up 400 miles away from there. And it it also feels like a note from the studio. And I'm just like, finally, you've
3: solved all of Slider's problems. They can now go 400 miles away. (laughs) Yeah, they were acting like it was a big deal. They're like, oh, no. But I didn't really understand the significance of it. I understand the behind the scenes significance of it, but I don't understand the in world.
0: I would argue it didn't even matter. The beginning of the show, it seemed like they established. Luke, tell me if I'm wrong that like. At first, they were always appearing right by where they went, right? So it was like they would always pop out almost exactly from where they left. But then they adjusted that slightly, and now it's like they've adjusted it again, right?
1: They never, like, articulated adjusting it. They still—I think the idea was you have to go from exactly where you left, but it did seem like they were sliding from slightly different places every time anyway. So, you know, they had been, like, soft adjusting. They'd been soft changing the rules as they worked on it. But for some reason, they decided they needed to hard adjust them. I think you're right, Dave, though. Like, what difference does it make? Why did you have to call it out? And I feel like someone on the production is annoyed they got moved to L.A. To the point that when they land in L.A., Arturo has a line where he says, I hate Los Angeles. And I think this is just the writer's room or someone in charge being like, do a thing where we're angry where we got moved to L.A. I'm like, okay, I, the audience member, don't care.
3: This is the kind of attitude that got them. Pulled back to LA from from BC in the first place. <laughs> this is absolutely the attitude that got them pulled back to LA.
0: But but on the on the final note, and Luke, you mentioned this uh, real briefly there at the beginning of us uh, our little tangent is that um I like that the idea though that they can land in a slightly further locale. That that's the problem with the show. <laughs> it couldn't be that it couldn't be like the like uh, sloppy plot lines and bad characterization and like somewhat offensive uh, uh feelings about stuff it's like no, no no it's that we want we want to see more palm trees
1: <laughs> and jordan you would think now that they've told you about how they can now go further just keeps going this episode is over but if you're wrong there's still more episode because a deformed slide hole opens Logan emerges from it with a gun and she's like I bet you forgot I could track slide holes and I was like you bet I did (laughs) yeah yeah she demands that Quinn fix her slide timer so that she won't burn up on re-entry and then she's like I set my return slide hole for 30 seconds so you have 30 seconds to fix this
0: no that 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 in itself didn't really make sense Um, But I think what they were going for, and I I could very well be wrong, and maybe this is giving too much to the show, I think it was sort of like her, like, hard negotiation. She's like, I'm not even giving time to think. Like, you have 30 seconds to do this, or I'm going to kill you, is what you're she has a gun on them. But it does seem like, give yourself, like, two and a half minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It does seem very aggressive, but it's a great negotiating tactic, because— All the other sliders, they want to call her bluff. They're like, she'll never do it because she won't get back to her place and she'll go to jail here. But Quinn's a good guy. He's the good double. He's the good twin. So he fixes it. However, when her return slide hole opens... He won't go through the slide <laughs> hole. He won't enter that deformed slide hole to prove it to her. So she's in a she's in a real pickle. She has to test it herself. And in a fit of rage, as she jumps into her, her deformed slide hole, she shoots the gun. And we go into bullet time, and a bullet flies across the screen. It's going right for Wade's forehead. It's going to shoot her right in the forehead. And as the bullet gets to Wade's forehead, it stops dead in the air. Turns 180 degrees and <laughs> flies back the opposite direction. Yeah, and this made no sense.
3: It's the only object that is affected in this way by the portal, or the, sorry, the slide hole.
1: That was what I was trying to figure out too. I'm just like, is it that the slide hole is pulling it back in? Yeah. But I'm yeah. like, why? But nothing else is affected. And I'm like, no. Is Wade now psychic and she stopped the bullet? I didn't understand what was happening.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It has nothing to do with Wade. It's it's what Dave said. It's that for reasons only the bullet is affected by the gravitational pull of the slide hole. Of excuse me, of the deformed slide hole.
3: Can you guys use the word deformed slide hole in a hashtag on a future post, please? <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway with with Logan gone she's returned through her slide hole Quinn reveals <laughs> that while he did fix the burning up problem he also set her timer for her to slide to a random dimension and he's essentially cursed her to the same fate they have she's now lost in the slideverse just like them she just can't find her way home and he's just like except she can track our slide hole so I guess we'll be seeing her again it's like I bet you won't did you guys read about this uh, well, we know. I checked. I checked IMDb. I know she's not in any more episodes. But I thought it was interesting that after we saw them create the Cromags, who have the exact same backstory as this woman, they're just like, "We don't like the eggs, What if we had Wade's evil t- or Quinn's evil twin? Which is what I pitched in the Cromag episode. They went and did it.
0: Um, let me ask this though. Let's say, let's say uh, you guys are both sliders. Uh, you can be yourselves or a different character if you like. But you're a slider, and uh, uh, your twin is evil. And and uh, you have to punish them at the end. Do you think this is a fair punishment for her to send her? Uh, essentially, uh, it's essentially a death sentence because you know she's not going to get home. Do you think that's fair for what she's done?
1: I mean, you don't want to send her home because she's just going to raid all those other slide worlds and uh, hold her her Earth hostage. I think it's fair.
0: You you both think it's fair. Yeah.
1: I thought it was overly cruel. What would you have done? Yeah, smooched. <laughs>
0: smooch have
3: got down on one knee and married (laughs) her well
0: she's wearing that ronald mcdonald outfit how could you not so
3: um i read a little bit about the kind of plans for the future episodes featuring this character i don't know if you guys did no that never happened but basically it was going to be a couple more um one with her as kind of like reprising her role as like a moriarty type villain like a counterpart to quinn and then the the last one she was going to kind of redeem herself and kind of die saving them or something like
1: that oh wow which
3: which would have been kind of a cool little arc but unfortunately, it never happened.
1: I like it. I like it more than the last serialized element they had, which I mentioned before—the Chrome eggs. I think this is more interesting to me. I would have rather uh, like just the evil doppelganger traveling around chasing them. That's that's that works more for me for the show. But yeah, ne- never saw her again.
0: And 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 for me, kind of my point I made earlier, I think it would be better if Quinn was gone, and uh, and Logan is in. That's a better show. Oh, you want to flip them <laughs> completely. <laughs> completely and what we we check in every now and then we check in with quinn and he's on uh you know he's on a planet where uh shoes are gloves can you believe it (laughs) (laughs) making out with a glove
3: yeah and this is kind of half-assed research but the other thing i read was that part of the reason why this actress didn't come back this character didn't come back is that the producers didn't feel like she was like an attractive enough or a sexy enough character jesus christ hopefully that's not true but you know we're about to see this on the
1: show because they're going to uh, bring in a second female lead with i think a very similar reasons they don't think Wade's attractive enough so they're going to bring they're going to bring Carrie were were her i believe her name is mm-hmm. but I, I think we're about to see that same cha- change happen these producers were very worried about um about attractive females on this
3: show for some reason
0: i would disagree though i like her 90s look with her like overly plucked eyebrows i was into it
3: yeah there's something about a lot of the the women on this episode and the next episode they look they all kind of look a little bit like gretchen maul like they're
0: you know they're real 90s it girls (laughs) i'm into it
1: (laughs) all right should we should we move on to the next episode yeah the guardian okay here's the indb summary for season three episode four the guardian
2: on our world i did hit brady with the bat i busted his name broke the bone in four places he walked with a limp for the rest of his life trained your double so he wouldn't strike out like you did by teaching him how to defend himself I was hoping he wouldn't feel the need to act out of desperation and he could trust his hands instead of a weapon
1: on a world where time moves at a slower rate Quinn encounters his younger double and tries to change a traumatic event in his life meanwhile Arturo decides that it's time to grab life by the horns and takes the others on increasingly wild excursions I think I said earlier in one of the podcasts, Luke,
0: that I was surprised that they weren't doing enough like, like work with the doubles, like they weren't coming across their own their own selves. And I I take that back because these are the worst episodes ever when they keep coming into versions of themselves. I don't want to see gender reversed role of yourself. And I don't want to see kid version of yourself. And uh, um, I'm going to say this. I hate this episode. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it starts with Arturo leaving a CAT scan. He has a terminal illness. And uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's clear now that uh, our John Rhys-Davis is leaving this show, right? Well, it's funny. It, it almost felt like for for a split second,
0: and I think if you didn't, you know, it, it's we're watching it with modern eyes. So, you know, some of the things that happen. And obviously, we know he's going to be leaving the show soon. So you see the writing on the wall. But I, I'm wondering if if as a viewer at the time, you watched this and thought, oh, this is going to be a thing where they're going to go to a world that has a cure for cancer or something like that. Like it's going to be a small arc.
1: Yeah, I think. At the beginning of the episode, I thought was like, is this the writing on the wall? Is this like him asking to be written off? Or is this going to be just an episode where they go to a place and he's cured? Uh, the As the episode plays out, we'll see it's not what that case is. He's not going to be cured by the end of the episode. So I think maybe as a viewer, you're wondering if eventually he'll be cured. But I do think probably people at home might have been like... Especially if maybe there was some... I, I think there was probably some gossip around this time. Especially, I think, if they're writing an early episode to prelude his exit. I think there's probably writing on the wall for even people in the 1990s being like, I guess he's leaving the show.
0: But maybe they thought it was going to be something genius like what they did in Picard. And they give him a disease for no reason so they can make him a robot at the end.
3: <laughs> a Jonathan Rhys-Davis golem?
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, that's a terrible uh,
1: version of a character I loved and used to care about. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Don't worry, though, Jordan. He's a robot, but they've ensured that it's programmed to only live to his normal (laughs) lifespan. (laughs) And then they'll never speak of it again. At any rate, he's got a month to a year left to live. And um, Quinn accidentally got one of his messages about his diagnosis at the hotel. So Quinn is showing up at the the hospital to confront him. By the way, I
0: love this, and it made me laugh. I love that they've gone to a world. We don't know yet, like how the world's that different. But he's had time to find a doctor, get a CAT scan, and they also like they just they're they're already getting like voice bills and stuff. They did, I don't know if they said how long they're at the world, but there was something so funny about the normalization of their lives here in this other world. It was a
3: pretty chill world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Arturo informs him, he's like, with this diagnosis, with the knowledge he's going to die soon, he's decided to stay on this planet, he's just going to do a little traveling, live the rest of his life, and then uh, die here, because it's a pretty debilitating illness, and he doesn't want to, like, put that on Quinn and the others to watch him waste away. Quinn, of course, gets quite upset and um, yells at him a lot, and we see very quickly this is related to the death of his own father, like this is an issue related to some abandonment he has. And Arturo changes his mind remarkably quickly. They really need to get this scene over and done with. So Charles like, "Sorry, Quinn. Okay, I'll keep sliding with you. Let's go slide."
0: I know. It, it it was it didn't quite ring true to have someone be like uh someone you care about you find out they have cancer. They they admit it to you. This is a very sad, obviously it's a terminal illness and he says, "I, you know, my last wish I want to do this, blah blah blah." And then Qu- Quinn just yells at him and just berates him and he goes, "Hey, you're right." <laughs> you're right. That whole that whole cancer diagnosis, don't worry about it.
1: But he does ask that Quinn not tell Wade and Rembrandt. He doesn't want them to know. So that's kind of where we're set up from as the episode starts. Is like, Rembrandt's going to die. Quinn knows. The other two don't. And that's, that's pretty much all the information we'll get about the illness for the rest of the episode for the most part. Um, but let's just deal with this now since it's so quick. They jump. They slide to a new world. We'll get into what the deal with this new world is in a second. We'll come back to it. But there's this, like, weird B-plot in this new world in which... Arturo, Wade, and Rembrandt hang out. That's the whole thing. Quinn gets the entire A-plot, 90% of this episode to himself. The other three characters are then doing this, like, I'd say 10, maybe 5 minutes of screen time where Arturo just has some fun. They 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 rent a luxury car and drive around in it. They uh, talk about how they took Arturo to his first football game. Not sure. Mm-hmm. And I was a little confused because they, they say it was Arturo's idea to go to this football game. He's never seen a, f- a football before. And then Arturo says, he gives full credit to Rembrandt's mother for the idea, and I didn't know what that meant. I I, I know it's well one I, I
0: would say the for whatever reason I don't, I don't know who wrote this episode actually I think this one was directed by um oh yeah it was this is another Adam Nimoy directed episode Luke it was written by Tracy Tromet. Okay, so Tracy Tromé, the the showrunner is a terrible writer, and the dialogue in this episode specifically is so bad, and no one speaks like they're a human being, and so they also have lines like this where it's like. Thank your mother for this 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 idea, and I'm assuming that in an earlier draft there was something with his mother. They went to visit the mother, and that was cut out, and they left the line in. Or even worse, they're just implying something for the audience that means nothing.
1: Yeah, I
3: couldn't make heads or tails of it. I assumed it was a cutscene or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Their adventures continue. They like they go to the opera together. They they. They go to a biker bar because that's where Arturo wants to go. And at the biker bar, a young woman thinks Arturo is very attractive. So he like flirts with her and reads her poetry. And then her her old man gets mad that they're talking and Arturo <laughs> knocks him unconscious.
0: <laughs> it's great. Also, I'm going to say, um, remember early on, Luke, there was a kind of interesting uh, character trait from Arturo that you picked up on, which was um, he sort of puts on airs of this guy who loves classical music and opera and poetry and these sort of things but in the end he has what we call maybe like some more base desires of like he just likes an old hot dog and like having a a beer at a bar and that sort of thing so i would assume if this is the case which was kind of an interesting character trait for him he's seen football before if he's been to a bar and he goes
1: to bar regularly bars regularly as a secret he's seen a football game am i right i think you're probably correct yes i think this is is probably the case i also was just like i think he's probably seen a football game (laughs) Yeah, anyways, it's
0: not important, but it's just it's just one of these— it's kind of a very small sesame seed of, like, uh, just the laziness of the show sometimes, almost as if they haven't watched previous episodes or haven't really bothered to um, uh, be consistent with the characterization at all.
1: I did want to bring up one thing at this, uh, this bar they go to. When Arturo buys a drink for this young woman who uh, finds him so attractive, <laughs> she asks for a skip-and-go-naked. <laughs> Is that what she did? I don't remember that.
3: Sounds like a real drink
1: yeah yeah she says i think arturo asked her what would you like and she says a skip and go naked and he's just like oh my i'm so flustered and she's like no it's the name of a drink and i was just like what on earth is a drink with that name so i looked it up is it a real thing yeah it's a real drink all right what's in it a skip and go naked is beer lemonade and vodka Ooh, Ooh boy. that sounds like an alcoholic's treat <laughs> i'll get back to you guys about that <laughs> At any rate, uh, the, the final little adventure that Arturo, Wade, and uh, Rembrandt go on is Rembrandt invents bungee jumping on this world.
2: <laughs> That's
0: right. Yeah.
1: And the, it's it's not even, it's just
0: like, they they have this thing like, we want him to go bungee jumping, but why he did it in the most dangerous way possible, <laughs> which is, and it's kind of like played for laughs, but I don't know what, what the point of it is. Like, if he really wants to do bungee jumping, he's like, so let's just figure out how to do it by ourselves on a bridge. I'm like, well, oh,
1: that's a death wish. The whole point is is with that opening scene where Arturo's dying, we just get a whole thing where Arturo goes and lives life to the fullest. And like when Wade and Rembrandt are just along for the ride and they don't really know what's happening. And I would argue, I'm not even sure this is a plot. Like there's not like a story that happens in it. It's just like they go on a series of not even that outlandish adventures. They're just like football game, opera, bar, bungee jumping. And then it's their their B plot's over, and Wade and Rembrandt don't learn why he's doing these things, and Rembrandt and Arturo just does them and has a nice time. Like, it is an odd B plot that doesn't exactly like we see him living life to the fullest because we know he's dying, but it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. There's no like there's no lesson learned necessarily, and it really relegates all three of our characters to nothing in this episode.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you make a good point. Again, it's, it's just something I said earlier. They don't know what to do with the characters. I think what they should have done is just a montage of a bunch of fun things uh, with the music. You are so beautiful playing above it.
1: I mean, why not? They should have. It, it basically
0: is a montage, what we say. <laughs> yeah, but you are so... Who is that? J- J- uh, Joe, Joe Cocker. Cocker? Who did that? It's
1: Joe Cocker. Yeah, Joe Cocker. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> anyway, with that out of the way, let's go to the core story of this episode, is that this new Earth they've landed on is just like theirs, except it's the nineteen eighties.
0: Yeah, and and they uh and they do some mental gymnastics to make this work, huh?
1: It's so funny because I think I just watched the 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 intro because you like this is it happens right after the intro to the show. And in the intro, the the big voiceover they've been working on that they finally perfected is just like you travel to a new world, but it's the same year and then immediately there's like no no we traveled back in time this time. We changed our minds. <laughs> time travel we can have time travel as a
0: treat. That's just this one time though. <laughs> But they didn't time travel, Luke. The time just moves slower on this planet. So it's just catching up, you know?
1: Yes, Jordan. It's Van Mieren's theorem of straight relativistic, <laughs> straight relativistic time dilation that essentially says that maybe there's an Earth that spins a little bit slower on its axis.
3: I don't know, guys. This made sense to me. I liked it. <laughs> you liked it? I did. I think it worked. It's fine, honestly.
1: It fine. It's perfectly good techno babble to explain it away. And I thought it was very funny. I'm just like... Sure, why not? Let's let's let them have a time travel episode. They had to have one eventually. What do you think is, um, uh, one, either more reprehensible
0: or uh, more alluring? Having sex with yourself um, in an alternate world or having sex with your um, uh, grade school teacher?
3: Wait, reprehensible (laughs) or alluring? That's two questions. Either way. What do you think? Which way do you like it? I think you want to have sex with the hot teacher Mm. now that you're able to do so. Yeah. You find that more alluring. Than that's a, that's alluring. Yeah. Sex with yourself, which we've already determined is, is not okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's <Smooching's> incest. <laughs> so you find that one reprehensible.
1: Or, or do you also find that one alluring? Let's move on. Either way, I was like, Quinn, go for it. <laughs> All right, Jordan, what about this? You're at a bar. It's a biker bar. You're having a <laughs> great time. You're drinking a skip and go naked. <laughs> yeah i'm uh... two women approach you one's your grade school teacher and <laughs> one's a female w and they're like let's have a threesome and you're like yes or no i say let's let it east meet west remember that was a line from uh, uh, from a central woman <laughs>
0: dave remembers that
1: <laughs> at any rate uh let's get into this one um they've arrived in the 1980s immediately upon arrival like the slide hole spits them out back in san francisco after having been in la for the last few episodes apparently they're like oh it's good to be back in san francisco they immediately walk into the funeral of quinn's dad like yeah immediately i mean like it was like it's a time saver but it is like
0: like it's a science fiction show so you have to allow certain things but like this was really convenient as a way to get them uh, it's like They have to go back to the '80s, and they're like, and it just happens to be in the exact day of his dad's funeral. I was like, all right, sure.
3: It kind of, and I think he says the character says it later on, where he says like he was kind of meant to be here and meant to do this. It does give some purposefulness to the the kind of movements through these dimensions that I don't think it ever has. It's always seemed like kind of a random thing. Whereas you do make a good point. This particular one makes it seem like there was a reason for this, a deeper reason.
1: Yeah, I mean that is what drives Twin All episodes. That he feels like he's here for a reason like the fate has brought him to this moment and does imply that perhaps fate brings them to every moment um but it's really only for the purpose of this episode i suppose of course at the funeral we see in attendance are quinn's mom played by the original actress from the pilot she's back jordan was that the original actress yeah after they recast her she's now back apparently oh hey good there's baby quinn there's a little baby quinn version of him yeah that's right and as you have implied repeatedly (laughs) quinn's grade school (laughs) teacher is there and I, I mean, as soon as you see her, you're just like, well, they're making out. Like, you know, the second you see her. Yeah, she's not dowdy. And I really like it. They arrive, they're watching this funeral, and Quinn is standing there gawking so aggressively, just like in a t-shirt and shorts, and like, as people walk past him, that I'm just like, he must seem like the biggest creep.
0: Well, it's, it's something that, again, I don't know if it's maybe fair to the episode, but he sort of looks like a predator through this episode and and he they sort of kind of call him a little bit like the first time we're gonna beat the teacher. She's like, "I think I saw you at the funeral." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm just some weird dude." And it's like, and then he's like, "I think they tell him later on, like maybe you shouldn't be hanging around the school and like all the other <laughs> characters, like they seem to dance around it. like, Queen, you're being a little weird. there's a little bit much. And it's like, it really does come across like he's like almost grooming this kid. Like there's one scene where they're like, out out together at night looking at the stars and stuff. And I was like, ooh, this is this is going in bad directions.
1: Jordan, it's all sorted out because when someone says, why are you hanging around a school full of children? He replies, I'm not a freak. <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. That's it. That's the whole explanation. He's like, I'm not a freak. I'm like, something a freak would say. What's even, what's even more
0: is that like they, <laughs> and I know it's like, it's a lot of like just sweeping on the rug. Like, don't worry about it. We're just going to get to the, the main thing. It's really about him and his emotional journey. But even like his bomb, he's just like, When he meets the mom, he's like, yeah, I was a friend of your husband. Anyways, I'm going to spend a lot of time with your son. She's like, checks out
1: with me. I got dishes to do. Yes. uh, Essentially, over the course of the episode and over everyone's objections, every one of the sliders objects to this. Quinn decides he's going to intervene in the childhood life of himself. As you said, he starts by going to visit his mom and returning the dog they lost. And he's just like, immediately says, I'm your husband's friend, Jim. We used to play (laughs) chess together. And then give some very specific insights into her son's grief that are just so weird. And the mom, as you said, Jordan, just like, "Huh, what a weird thing for you to know." But uh, okay, okie dokie. that sounds fine. And let me ask you this: so the whole this
0: is going to be like his emotional journey is basically like Quinn is seeing a very emotional, traumatic point in his life, and he wants to reverse this. And this is great science fiction thing we've seen before. Like, what if you had the, the chance to go back and change something about yourself or about? Uh, decisions you made. I don't think this is the greatest version of that that we've seen. I will argue it's a quite bad version of it, but there's an interesting idea there. But I don't know if even at the very end, the way they kind of wrap this up, if it if there's enough justification for the way he's acting. Like he's so driven and so over the top and so angry and so focused. At the end, I'm like, oh, is it's some bullying? Like it's like, it's not like we've seen that it's had a... Um, Uh, despite what he says there has been no traumatic events on him and he doesn't seem like someone who has this baggage like do do you think that's fair
3: like i don't i don't know if it's jumping ahead too much to talk about like the reason why he's doing this so much in terms of like i think go for it the baseball bat and and the baseball bat and and injuring a kid and giving him a lifelong limp it might have been a little better if it was a little more extreme and maybe like he acts like not killed somebody but maybe caused something a little more serious a little more life changing to someone um then you could maybe really understand that, yeah, like this was something he did that ruined someone's life.
1: Well, I think the thing is, Jordan, this is something I think you have complained about in the past, something you hate as an episode trope. And this episode leans into it heavily is that Quinn knows a piece of information that's driving him, but he won't ever tell anyone else out loud until basically the penultimate moment of the episode where he explains the reason he's done all of this. Mm-hmm. He knows it, and he could tell everyone, but he doesn't until the last second. And... It, I think what it is is you end up just, like, watching an episode where a character's really driven to do something, but he won't tell you why. Even though he could, there's no reason he couldn't tell the other sliders that he's upset because at the end of this series of bullying events that he's going to attempt to stop, he did something really bad and he regretted it his whole life. What we're left with the idea is that Quinn's going to, like, they leave it with the idea that's like, oh, did Quinn get really hurt at the end of it? And at the end, he's just like, oh, big reveal. I actually did something bad and that's what I'm trying to So what you're watching is you're watching a show where you know you know there's a twist coming as soon as it starts happening you know like it's not going to be exactly what it looks like and Quinn knows the outcome but he just refuses to tell any of his friends why he's doing it so you're just kind of stuck waiting for him to like get to the point
0: i would also argue that the solution he gives is uh, not our, well, let's, get, let's a, get into
1: the episode because okay. you're right because yeah. that's the question of the whole episode is just like is the solution make any sense and what it is 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 Quinn starts intervening at school he starts going there he he there's three bullying events he's trying to stop. He shows up to the first one and uh, scares all the bullies away to prevent baby Quinn from getting beat up and I have to say uh, baby Quinn the, the actor's fine but they say that why Quinn gets bullied is because he was skipped ahead two years so he's two years younger than all the kids in his grade so they all pick on him. But they didn't cast a kid who's two years younger than all the other kids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I think he's supposed to be smaller, but he's like, they all kind of look the same. I agree. Um, I'll say one weird thing about this, though, is um, they, they, he has, you're right, they say there's three major bullying events. And maybe this is really, really picky. And I don't mean it to be, but like, you would think if, you markedly change the outcome of the first one it would then have a ripple effect and change the other two but it doesn't it's like if there was a fight on monday wednesday and friday and the first fight was averted you would think that wednesdays would at least change in some ways but it doesn't because the episode needs it not to which i just thought was like meh
1: you they could do hard about this i agree i think their time travel under rules are very loosey-goosey for sure Like I said, he stops this first fight, and then, you know, there's a bunch of back and forth, like, where he has to get to know baby Quinn. Like, baby Quinn follows him back to the hotel, and they go back to his house, and, like, they meet the teacher again. And, like, essentially what we're seeing, though, is Quinn becoming a father figure for baby Quinn. They're having heart-to-hearts, and and Quinn's just like, I'm going to teach you to defend yourself. I'm going to teach you to fight. And it's so funny. He's like, I'm going to teach you to fight. And over the course of the episode, literally, his friends, the Sliders... His mom, the teacher, they're all objecting. They all object to him teaching this kid to fight. But he, Quinn's like, I'm doing it. I'm teaching this kid to fight. Yeah.
0: Do we mention the teacher's hot?
1: <laughs> at the <laughs> second bullying event that happens, Quinn's going to go stop that one too. But uh, this time Arturo intervenes and stops him. And, you know, Quinn kind of lays out why he's doing this. Except for, like, the big twist at the end involving the baseball. He's just like, I got bullied three times and it really messed me up. And I, I need to stop it. And it's just like constantly back and forth of him like, arguing for why he needs to teach himself to fight but not telling anyone why like everyone's always asking him like why are you doing this it seems extreme and he will never explain to them the purpose or the thing that happened to him right blah blah blah. he bumps into the teacher and he tells the teacher outside the school after she's like stop hanging out here it's weird and he's like i'm not a freak Uh, he's like why don't we go get dinner together he invites his teacher to dinner the entire dinner is him talking about baby quinn and like Including details of the baby, a baby Quinn's future that he like he couldn't possibly know, and the the teachers never exact like he, she's off put, but no, she's for some reason always charmed by this insane man she's on a date well, with.
0: That's what I like about these sorts of shows, and uh, again, it's funny to make these sort of nitpicks nitpicky notes on a science fiction show where they're sliding to different universes. But there's something funny about there's this date, and he is saying nothing charming. If anything, he's being weird and kind of creepy, but she's into it because they just have to. They just have to have her be charmed by him. But there's nothing that the audience has seen other than maybe he's attractive that why she would be into him. She'd be like,
1: you talked about this kid a lot. <laughs> yeah. At some point, he's just like, I had a teacher just like you when I was a kid and she was hot and she's like, oh, well, thank you very much. And then he goes back and he's just like, hey, listen, I'm going to be going soon and I need you to protect baby Quinn while I'm gone. And she's like, what? And he's like, well, let's make out now. And so they do. <laughs> anyway, there's a bit of a sequence, a montage kind of sequence where ba- he teaches baby Quinn to fight and, like, it's going on. And then they, they go—you mentioned this, Jordan—they go hang out staring up at the sky at night at the stars. And Quinn literally gives a speech about how we're all stardust. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah,
0: it's bad. D- don't you think that scene would have been better, though, if it had a uh, Joe Cocker singing You are so beautiful, or <laughs> top of it? <laughs>
1: This episode, I think your ability to enjoy it really depends on how much melodrama you can stand, because mm. essentially this episode is just a melodrama turned up to 11. Like, it's just heavy melodrama. I
0: think you make a very interesting point, because uh, I'll say this, like, I hated this episode, and I think maybe more so than both of you, but it, you might be right. It might be how much you can take this sort of stuff. and I just thought this was so maudlin and so dumb, and I just I just didn't care that he was going to save himself, because I just didn't think it was
1: worth saving.
0: And it's like, who cares about any of this?
1: Well, and I know from a fact, having looked up some stuff around this episode, this is a very popular fan-favorite episode. Mm. Like, I think some people find the melodrama very exciting, and, it you know, it's it's a classic in some ways. Just, remind like, thinking about your youth and the things that went wrong and how you'd like to fix them. Like you said, like, this is a classic trope. Mm. And I really think it depends on how much melodrama you enjoy because it really is just, like, that's what they're offering you here. And so if, if that bothers you oh man you're gonna be bothered
3: <laughs> well let me ask you this i mean you guys have seen a lot more episodes of this than i have or at least a few more do you know if this episode is kind of unique in its setup and the fact that it's kind of character based versus like adventure there's no kind of greater adventure or danger to the group
1: no there have definitely been character based low adventure episodes uh, intermixed with it there's none none of them have been this dramatic i don't think this none of them have been like this uh, character-driven piece was the core of this. The closest we got that comes to mind is there was a B-plot where Arturo gets to meet the wife who died on his planet. On his Earth, he had a wife who died young, and on this new Earth, she's still alive. And that was a was a dramatic character-driven B-plot, but it wasn't the A-plot. This is the I, I, the first time maybe it's been an A-plot?
0: See, but I thought that was more effective. I, and I think, at least for B, that idea is a more effective nostalgic thing of a lost love, what could have been as opposed to this which is I wish I had beaten up some kids but maybe not so bad. It's like give me a break.
1: Well I guess that's the difference. Is Jordan, you you're a real romantic at heart, so a lost love thing is big for you. And uh, Perhaps a kid getting revenge on his bullies you hate because you were the bully. <laughs> I wasn't the bully. I wasn't
0: the bully. But I do. I did laugh. Um. And and this is. It's not actually funny. But it's it's interesting to see such a timestamp because you would not see this in TV. before. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, and Dave. You know what it is. They're they're bullying the kid. They're bullying Qu- Quinn, and they call him queer.
3: Yeah. They say nice move, queer.
0: Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I, like Whoa. that's crazy to hear that in TV. But it was just, I. It was just so commonplace, right? And we're we're all the same age, like. That that would have been what you what you would have heard on, on the, the playground. So that was accurate, but it seems sort of shocking now in 2023.
1: That's true. It did seem like I'm like, oh, uh, don't really hear that on TV anymore. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, after kind of Quinn has trained his younger self to stand up to his bullies, he's taught him to fight. They've had a real heart to heart. All of the sliders gather at the school to watch baby Quinn's third climactic fight. <laughs> all of the sliders show up to watch it. <laughs>
0: It's been a boring. It's been a boring week just watching like Arturo watch a football game.
1: And of course, this is where the big reveal is. They don't know why Quinn has been so insistent that he stop these bullies from bullying his younger self. And in this scene, what we see is Baby Quinn steps out from behind a tree. He's carrying a baseball bat, but he doesn't use it. He kind of he uses it to threaten the bullies, but then he drops it and he proceeds to beat the bullies into unconsciousness with his fists. And it's at this point, Quinn turns to all his friends and says, "You see, when I was a boy." I crippled a lad with a baseball bat, <laughs> but in this world I've only beaten them with my fists into unconsciousness. So hence my trauma is relieved and I was just like, "Great, so like weapons violence bad, fist violence good is the is the lesson of this episode." <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so nuts.
0: Like I know what they're going for, which is you know, he should have he he still needed to stand up for himself and find that inner strength, but it's like it wouldn't have been that much of a twist to just being like what you really needed to do was just walk away from a situation or use your words or there's another way to, uh, uh, you know, have a better uh, resolution to this sort of fight. But it, they're just like, well, giving a concussion is better than breaking a kid's decaps.
1: I also was watching it being like, this is a real indictment of the school system that they're like, they know this bullying. The teachers are all aware this bullying is happening and they literally do nothing about it.
0: Yeah. Now, now uh, if you really want him to defend himself, shouldn't he just give him a gun?
1: <laughs> here's the thing jordan is i knew this twist was coming i just knew it was going to be a thing where quinn went too far i knew that was what the yeah. twist was going to be and the entire time i'm like i all i could think was quinn's a school shooter
0: yeah well that, that that's what it, and, and i think this kind of um I, I might be wrong but i think this sort of predates columbine and this sort of wave of of those school shootings um not that there wasn't school shootings before but the sort of like uh the first of sort of national attention for those sorts of things um but it does feel like through all this weird grooming and stuff that if it's not a uh, like weird sexual thing, that it is going to be a thing where like he shot someone and he's trying to avoid that. Like it was just weird. And again, the resolution was like, I don't think any of this justifies the wh- how we've seen him act, nor does it uh, seem like a worthwhile endeavor to have spent this effort to still have him act in a violent manner as a way to you know solve a problem
1: yeah i think and i don't know maybe it's just the passage of time and how we view these things but watching it i'm just like the lesson here is still very bad
0: <laughs> yeah it's just like i don't know it just is so dumb but i i do like uh because once we get this it's like everyone's like uh oh, quinn you're great but then he has to have this last little uh, last little button with his the
1: teacher well this is it now that he's saved quinn's life he goes and says goodbye to his mom he goes and says goodbye to baby quinn and you know he says goodbye to the teacher who's in love with him now And he leaves them to go slide, and as they're all jumping into the slide hole to leave, the teacher's like changes her mind. She's like, I can't let Jim leave. I love him too much. So he runs around the corner and catches Quinn standing in front of a slide hole, and Quinn looks at her and says, you've been making out with one of your students all (laughs) along. I'm Quinn. And then he jumps into the slide (laughs) hole, and I was like and she's left there with a look on her face i think the look is supposed to be like she's shocked by the slide hole but to me i'm like she is shocked to hear what a nightmare has happened to her eve wrecked her life
3: yeah i was thinking about you know does this woman end up in an asylum because if she tells anybody about what happened like that's it like no one would ever believe her and then does she even believe it how does you she know?
0: teach a little little quid now knowing that he's going to grow up to be such a little hottie well, she's going to keep a close eye on him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she definitely is transferring schools, and Quinn's on his own from this point <laughs> in
0: I wrote a note, and I was really hoping that just like the last episode, this would keep going, and they were going to go to another world, and then she was going to come back, come into the portal, but she'd be pregnant, and they'd be like, Quinn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say, coming off of the last episode, which is an episode in which Quinn's double doesn't reveal that they're twinsies. <laughs> and then starts a relationship with him. And Quinn is essentially hurt and, like, disturbed by that information when it's received by him. And then the next episode we watch, Quinn does the exact same thing to another woman. Yeah.
0: Well, it's—, it's, it's also, The exact it, same betrayal. It, it was—it's not only that. It's, this, it's, the, it's the wanton disregard for their own rules of, like, not affecting things. Which they have said earlier on. But now it's like, well— if she's cute, it's fine. Or if the person's got a penthouse, it's fine. Or if you want to be rich, it's fine. Or whatever. So it's just like, well, no, it's whatever. Whatever you feel like. Who cares what happens? In I these was worlds? also just
1: like in season three, they've just uh, any rules. They're like, ah, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you know why, Luke? They can land within four hundred miles of anywhere. <laughs>
1: All right, you guys. Well, that pretty much wraps up those two episodes. I don't know, were there any final notes we didn't cover in in either of those episodes that you still wanted to talk about?
3: Well, the only thing I had is that I think they should have cast like a, a chubbier kid as young <laughs> Quinn because <laughs> Jerry O'Connell was like a chubby kid. I think that would have been a funny callback.
1: Oh, that would have been good if they had grabbed like a Stand by Me style kid. That would have yeah. been
3: nice for I think that would have been nice for the audience.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get into ratings then? Dave, I'm not sure if you remember, but we rate things out of 10 stars, sort of IMDb style rules. Of course, you can rate them as you see fit, like critically by your level of enjoyment. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things can be bad but enjoyable. So it, it's really up to you. But out of a possible ten, how do you feel about the first episode, Double Cross?
3: I, I actually kind of didn't love it, and believe it or not, I like the second episode more.
0: I, th- I think that's fair. I think to, to Luke's point, it, it's probably that you you have you like that sort of thing more than I do.
3: Mm, I go with I go for a six for the first one.
1: Six, very good. Uh, I'll go next, I guess. Um, this episode was a cartoon. It felt like a cartoon. <laughs> the villains were so evil. Everything that was happening was so goofy. But I, in some ways, I think it might be the best episode of Sliders I've seen. Oh like my gosh. it was, oh dear, wild and stupid, and like everything that was happening was like the dumbest, the dumbest thing possible. But honestly, every Sliders episode has been so bad up till now. And I was like, oh, this is the best it's ever been. It should just be this. It should be a live action cartoon because. It, it, it at least is like insane. That's something. I do think that all the stuff about Quinn and his double making out, and that like Arturo is having an affair with Quinn's double. There's all the show's writers have a real weird uh, sexual thing going on. Both of these episodes, like, they're very, some very weird stuff that they need to deal with in therapy, I think. Um, but I will say. It was at least so crazy I had a nice time. Uh, I'm going to go 6.5. Okay,
0: I had a very different experience than you guys. I'll say this. Here's my one thing I'll say. It wasn't boring, but it's so dumb. It's so dumb I can't get over it. So I I broke this down into the two plot lines. So the the A plot, I give it a a 2.5 out of 5. And then the B plot, which is the worst one we've seen, I give it a 1 out of 5. So that gives it a a 3.5 out of 10.
3: Are you guys writing these on a slider's? sliding scale as in like it's a t- it's a 10 for this show this is as good as the show gets that's a 10 or is it just kind of a general rating
0: I'm rating this out of 45 minutes of my life I'm never getting back
3: I think to your question Dave
1: is it's more of a general rating compared to like everything we've watched and how much we enjoy them but in slider's particular case we quite enjoyed the pilot i think it got very high ratings so in some ways each episode is now having to live up to like the promise of that pilot um, so I think what we're seeing is like, and I'm trying to be generous. Like, like I said, I think that episode was a crazy dumb cartoon episode, but at least it wasn't boring and it was fun for that reason. And I think it's the most fun I've had watching an episode of Sliders, so I'm I'm crediting it for that with that 6.5. So.
3: Quality's been sliding. Nice.
1: <laughs> the quality started at the bottom. It it not It's sliding upward, if anything. <laughs> it's
3: laddering. All right, Dave, the Guardian, <laughs> out of 10. What do you think? The Guardian. I don't know, guys. This episode. I would say it got to me that's ridiculous but it but it got to me more than the other one which didn't really have any character stuff so i'm gonna give this one a 6.5 that's a c that's a solid c
1: 6.5 yeah i think that's the thing i think this episode is entirely based on how much melodrama because i think you know it's not the best episode of the show it's not the worst episode of the show I thought it was very funny that they time traveled. Um, finally, it finally happened. I, I saw the twist coming a mile away. Does the lesson make any sense? Absolutely not. I don't know. I just, I feel indifferent to it in a lot of ways, but it's still not, I'm going to go 4.5. I'm going to give
0: uh, two points for the hot teacher and nothing for anything else because I hated this episode and everything about it. So two to 10. Two out of ten. Two out of ten for uh, her name was, uh, um, the character's name was Heather Hanley, Miss, Miss Hanley. She gets two points. Terrible episode. I hated it.
1: More, I guess you hated it slightly more than the last episode.
0: <laughs> I hated it slightly more than, uh, I did actually. But because I, it wasn't, it just was an episode of like, who cares that they're in another dimension? It didn't matter. There was no sliding, nothing. It's just him walking around grooming himself. It was creepy. I hated it.
1: Jordan, you go back in time. You meet your younger <laughs> self. What are you going to do?
0: I'm not gonna spend it uh looking at the stars with myself and, and teaching myself boxing. <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself uh that betting almanac that uh, Marty McFly has around
1: and uh, make myself rich. I bet you what you do is you go back, you just bully yourself. <laughs> oh come on now.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Now, Dave, you don't know this, but Jordan does. We are reaching some pretty critical points with the ratings of sliders here. So I think we're probably gonna need to check the old uh, continued red computer to see if we're taking the escape pod on sliders. Yes, yeah,
0: so we'll have to we'll have to boot up the boot up the computer. Here's it here's it's going it's, it's going now.
1: <laughs> so with these last two ratings, which I think we're middling, but Jordan, you certainly you certainly disliked them quite a bit, so dropped them down. You know, not an insignificant amount. Let's see how we're doing. Um, what would you bet, Jordan? You think we're gonna escape
3: pod? I don't know. You see, whatever's coming next is going to be worse than this, though. You know that. It is true. We do know it only goes downhill.
0: <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe we're going to love the Cro-Mags.
1: We can't. Could we possibly dislike it more than what we're watching now? It's hard to say.
0: Unless there's an episode where he goes back and, like, grooms a Cro-Mag at a young age. I'm not going to hate it more than this episode.
3: <laughs> the fourth season is the grooming season. No, that's well known. <laughs>
1: All right. The current rating, Jordan and Dave, is five point one eight. Oh, we're still watching it. Just over that
0: cusp. We're at a nice. That's deep, because of me. Deep, that's because of that's me. That's because of you, Dave, because you love this this maudlin episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Jordan, I do have some good news for you though. Yeah. We are at the halfway point of sliders. So we're gonna take a little break from sliders. We've watched uh, halfway through season three i think we've it's probably about 10 or so episodes maybe a little more maybe a little less Mm -hmm. we're gonna go watch a couple other series take a breather reset ourselves on sliders and then come back later this year to finish it off so there is gonna be a slight pause in our sliders coverage as we go off and watch some other things and and get our brains out of out of this world of sliders and it will
0: be interesting to see when we come back if we're gonna feel differently about it you know sometimes like a little time goes on but we both came back to tech war and we were like yeah tech war
1: it's true. You never know. We might be more fond of it when we return. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, it's been a rough go for the first half of sliders, that's for sure. Yeah.
3: Do you guys know who leaves the show kind of by the end? Does everybody major leave the show?
1: I don't know. I th- my understanding is everyone but Rembrandt will leave at some point. Rembrandt I think is the only one in all of
3: Jerry Carroll's pursuing his film career. Yeah,
0: it's going to start getting messy, I think.
1: But maybe that'll be fun. We'll find maybe,
3: out. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>
1: Dave, thank you for coming on for this episode of Sliders. We really appreciate it. I'm glad to have you here. You gave it—you gave a new perspective on it and really, like, gave us a, a slightly different ratings than we might have otherwise had. Mm-hmm. You've saved Sliders. You're welcome. Put that on your, on your business card, the man who saved Sliders. Okay. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on again. It was a lot of fun. You're very welcome. And you, listener at home, as you said, we're halfway through season three and we're going to take a break. And maybe you can't wait for us to come back. Maybe you need more Sliders. Well... We've got bonus episodes for charity. So we've got a list of charities on our website. ContinuumDrag.Podbean.com is our, uh, is our website. And, of course, on social media, you can follow the links in our bios to get to it, too. But you can make a donation to a charity as selected by our past guests and pick an episode from a show that we've either skipped that episode because we're doing a best-of run like sliders or perhaps we've used the escape pod in another show. Maybe you want us to go back and watch an episode of Man and Machine that we didn't watch. That's, oh, that's yeah. up to you. Man and Machine. Make a donation to charity send us the receipt tell us which episode you want to watch and we will do a Bonus episode for charity all the details are on the website. Go check it out there We've got some suggested donation levels, etc, etc, etc And if you still have some questions feel free to email us here Continuum at gmail.com that address and we can fill you in on all the details in the meantime We're gonna have clips from these two episodes of sliders You can find that on our social media at continuum drags the handle and it's on Instagram Twitter and Facebook I can tell you right now, I think there's only a single clip from uh, the second episode where Quinn uh, meets his younger self because it's not a very exciting episode for clips.
0: Yeah, I guess there's not that there's not much like instantly biteable sort of things, is there?
1: Yeah, it's it's a very drama driven one. So most of them are from uh, the crazy, wacky cartoon adventures.
3: Um but do you think that, when people are sending you these charity receipts, do you think you could be using those as like tax write-offs for yourselves? Oh, that's true, Dave. You make a very good point. Is that possible? Get yourself a little treat with a tax write-off. <laughs> Just a thought.
1: <laughs> and get a bonus episode. Dave, come back next week and give us more tips on how to sell these uh, charity episodes. We'll do. Don't get Dave started on the tax man. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Yoons.